Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the Bid Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemi Ologunde. On this episode, I'll be discussing recent updates to Instagram and Tinder and how TikTok is handling its increasing role in geopolitics. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. To start with, um, Tinder is introducing a tool to let users run background checks on prospective dates as the company continues to address concerns about safety of dating apps. Tinder has come under criticism over sexual assault and other crimes following connections made on its apps. So Match Group, which is Tinder's parent company, said it has been developing the tool since March of 2021 when it announced an investment in Garbo Technology, a non-profit background check organization. So Tinder members who tap the feature in the app's safety center will be directed to Garbo to fill in information about themselves and details about their match, such as names and phone numbers. Garbo will provide results for arrests and convictions for certain violent crimes and sex offender registry status and also indicates whether it has a high, medium or low confidence in the result. In 2020, March Group also took a stake in an app called Noonlight to bring new safety features to its family of dating apps starting with Tinder. Noonlight tracks users' location and notifies authorities in the event of safety concerns. Some observers have said that adding optional background checks might lead to unintended consequences. So while Tinder, um, some Tinder users may benefit from learning potentially important information about a date, false positives or the lack of data in some results are also likely to make some people more fearful. Background checks are often inaccurate, and definitions of certain crimes, including sexual offenses, vary from state to state. So it is up to the recipients of those background check reports to understand all the nuances of violations. Garbo has said it has tried to address the pitfalls of background checks by adding its confidence indicators and limiting the information it provides. For example, results that Gabo gives Tinder users exclude arrests and convictions for financial crimes that are more than seven years in the past, as well as for homicides or robberies that took place more than 14 years ago. The company said criminal justice reform advocates developed such time limits to give people who committed those crimes a chance to change their behaviors. The results also don't mention arrests or convictions for offenses such as marijuana possession, vandalism, breaking curfew, and loitering laws. So according to Catherine Cosmides, who is the founder and CEO of Garbo, Tinder users also won't receive any personally identifiable information on the subject of their query to avoid any potential stalking, harassment, or doxing. People who use the service are provided with a tutorial on how the tool works and resources include blog content about online dating scams as well as access to the National Domestic Violence Hotline and the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network. Though Gabo has attempted to fix many of the problems with background checks, the system remains imperfect. Experts say that the broader question is how harmful the law enforcement and judicial systems are to certain communities and how often we see 
incidents such as over-policing and overcharging. So after the break, I'll talk about how TikTok has exploded in its use and its acting role in geopolitics. Stay with us. Welcome back. So TikTok exploded as a social media app with silly videos featuring lip syncing, dance moves, and practical jokes. Now, some users are creating endless feeds of war memes and state propaganda that influence global perspectives on the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. As tensions between Russia and Ukraine rose, TikTok struggled internally to deal with its heightened role in geopolitics. Some of TikTok's content moderators struggle to determine whether to avoid recommending certain posts, remove them from the app, or restrict the creator's account. The content moderators have also been confused about dealing with some clips flagged by the app's content filtering systems. In addition, without detailed instructions for war-related content, junior-level managers were charged with refining the rules as they went along, which has resulted in inconsistent treatment of similar content. TikTok said it continues to respond to the war in Ukraine with increased safety and security resources to detect emerging threats and remove harmful misinformation. So on March 6, TikTok suspended video uploads and live streaming from Russia, citing the safety of its employees after Russia passed a new fake news law. The move, which followed pullbacks by other major tech and media companies like Disney, Netflix, CNN, Bloomberg, BBC, Warner Media, and Google, was notable given that TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is based in Beijing, China, where the government has refrained from supporting Western sanctions on Russia. So the pullback from TikTok came about a week after the company said it would restrict access to some Russian state-controlled media accounts, including RT and Sputnik in the European Union. In a sign of the gravity of the matter, TikTok notified executives at ByteDance in Beijing who did not contest the decision. So since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24, social media users have devoured photos and video clips uploaded to TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. TikTok in particular has provided a ground-level, often visceral view of modern warfare, but social media researchers say it has also become a hotbed of unreliable information. In addition, the platform's constant video replay feature plays a crucial role in reinforcing messages. So as Russian troops advance on Ukraine, one widely shared video on TikTok of military planes flying in formation claimed to be the footage of the invasion. However, PolitiFact, which is a Washington DC-based fact-checking website, later found that the video was taken from a Russian military parade from two years ago. That video has since been removed on TikTok. In another instance, 20 million TikTok users watched a video of soldiers parachuting into a conflict zone before it was removed after the footage was found to be from seven years ago. Such content often carries a message seeking donations or tips for the content creator in apparent efforts to monetize their clips. To be clear, TikTok is not the only platform contending with false information. 
but research has shown that TikTok was more potent in disseminating false information about Ukraine by Russian state-controlled media compared with other social media. Just days before the ongoing war in Ukraine broke out, TikTok's senior staff gathered online to propose new rules to their teams that operate the platform for the Russian and Ukrainian markets. The staff came from legal, public policy, and trust and safety teams globally, mostly based in TikTok's largest regional bases in Dublin and Singapore. TikTok's leadership has been meeting regularly to discuss strategies to respond to the crisis, and the company runs a 24-7 operation center to respond to unfolding events. As a result, TikTok has started running war-related videos through online open resources and databases to check whether the footage has existed online before the conflict, seeking to identify and take down old images of fighter jets, bombings, and military operations being passed off as recent content. Other platforms have been ahead of TikTok in addressing some of these issues. Within days of the start of the ongoing conflicts in Ukraine, Meta, Twitter, and YouTube detailed steps they were taking to reduce information that they deemed to be false or misleading. The companies introduced new policies and began labeling and demoting posts from and containing links to state-linked Russian media. All three companies, Meta, Twitter, and YouTube, have also detailed how they have removed and permanently suspended accounts, videos, and posts, either originating from Russia, targeting Ukraine, or for deceptive practices and misinformation. So after the break, I'll talk about the recent updates on Instagram regarding parental control um, for how kids use the app. Stay with us. Welcome back. So on March 16, Instagram began rolling out parental controls for its app for the first time. Soon, its parent company, Meta, will also let guardians supervise teens' activity in virtual reality. So the first three Instagram parental supervision tools will let parents see how much time their teens spend on Instagram and set limits. In addition, parents can view what accounts their teens follow and who follows them, It also lets teens notify their parents when they report inappropriate behavior. The company plans to make the tools available on its other platforms such as Facebook and WhatsApp. Instagram does not give parents any details about what their teens look at or what they discuss via direct message. And because the controls are applied on a per-account basis, they don't prevent teens from having secret accounts known as Finstars. The parental controls for Instagram and Meta's other apps will live inside a new website called the Family Center. Along with supervision tools, the hub will include educational resources such as tips for how to talk to children about social media. So in a blog post, Instagram CEO Adam Mosseri called the new controls, quote, the first step in a longer-term journey to develop intuitive supervision tools informed by experts, teens, and parents, end of quote. The virtual reality supervision tools, which will limit access to Quest headset content that is not appropriate for younger ages, will begin rolling out in April. Instagram said in December that it planned to provide more tools to protect teens online. Internal research found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of young users, particularly teenage girls with body image concerns, 
And this is according to a Wall Street Journal article that was published in September 2021 as part of the Facebook Files series. Meta has disputed the characterization of the findings in those um, series of articles. So following the series of pressure from lawmakers, Meta indefinitely halted efforts to build a version of Instagram for kids under the age of 13. Pavni Diwanji, who is Meta's head of youth and was overseeing that product, left the company earlier in March. The new parental control tools require teens to give access to their parents via Instagram's mobile app, so parents will likely have to initiate a conversation first. In June, parents will be able to make the request to their teens from within the app or website. Even then, teens will still have to approve the parent supervision before the tools start to work. The tools will not allow parents to see posts that their teens like or comment on. Um, they won't be able to see direct messages that their teens send and receive. Neither will they be able to see content that they are viewing. Instagram is also not enacting um, an age verification tool, which would make it more difficult for children under the age of 13 to join the app. So while the tools might give some control over how teens use Instagram, it does not do enough to change what they consume on the app. Even with parental controls, Instagram's algorithm can still serve up self-harm content, such as posts about eating disorders. Instagram said it would add more parental control features in the coming months, such as letting parents set hours for children to use the service. Instagram said it would also allow more than one parent to supervise a teen's account. So to wrap up, um, I talked about how um, Instagram is releasing um, updates to the app based on parental controls and other features. I talked about how Tinder is introducing background checks so that people that use Tinder can run quick background checks on their potential matches. And also how TikTok is handling its role, its increasing role in terms of geopolitics. So that's all I have for this episode 128 of the Beat Picture Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Beat Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorski. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Bidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurities, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.